0: All right, welcome to episode 57 of The Next Report, where we talk about Unix and overlooked pop culture. Um, Stephen Topkins is joining me today on this uh, nice little video hangout. Fall is almost over. Or fall is almost <laughs> here. Summer's almost over? Yeah. <laughs> fall's uh, on its
1: way. That's why I have
0: my <laughs> <laughs> one. Oh, oh, Yeah. It, Weather's kind of, you know, nice fall weather's kind of coming in. So, um, you know, with that in
1: mind. You could have said that uh, winter's almost here. Oh. Temperature.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. But that means more people are going to be spending time indoors online. And last week we kind of started talking about the free flow of information and one of the things that kind of inhibited it uh, as a result of the actions of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, among other groups and organizations, Congress and the FCC were flooded with comments um, about concerns about slow lanes and everything else. So uh, it, it's good that we're having that conversation and people are aware of what's going on. So, okay. um, you know, with that in mind. Uh-oh. Oh, and now I'm echoing. It's all right. It was me. Oh, was, that's
1: all right. all right. Since the Hangout went live, I had the Hangout in another tab, and I forgot about it. <laughs> so you were yeah, hearing that... about, like a, about a minute and a half delay <laughs> what we were talking about, and then it was going on the podcast twice. So sorry about that, guys.
0: Hey, that's, fixed it. Uh, that's all good. Anyway... There's there's more than one way of inhibiting access to information besides uh, slowing down access. Some ISPs or some countries might decide um, we're not going to let people visit such and such website. Or some schools may block certain websites as well, or, cer- or certain or certain or certain you know vicinities like the Apple Store blocking the blocking access to uh... uh... the best page in the universe uh... <laughs> <laughs> <It's mathematics. laughs> uh so but um, and to kinda put things into perspective for for this episode yes some of these tools can help you protect your privacy but we're not emphasizing privacy on this one Uh, Nor do these tools make you completely invincible. Uh, This is more more regarding getting around censorship by governments, institutions, etc., etc. And um, one of those ways that we can get around censorship and going to give a hat tip to GreatCoder.com because they also they have some very very valuable information regarding a lot of this stuff but the first thing I'd like to talk about is Tor the Tor project um, have you ever used Tor I have not um, I kind of have off and on not very much uh, what it is is called the Onion Router. It was started by the U.S. Navy, and uh, for those who have been a longtime listener to this podcast, you may have heard us talk, you know, me talking about it with other co-hosts in a past episode. Um, but today, it's coming from a different perspective of how do I get access to a site that is well not being allowed to be accessed to or something like that. Um, Tor is one way to do that. Um, What Tor does is people can set up their systems to act as a Tor relay. When you access the Tor network, you are randomly routed through various points of access so that, in theory, um, you are very very untraceable and you can actually get get the browser bundle from torproject.org now couple of uh, tidbits of caution one um, according to inquisitor.com there have been issues with certain ISPs like Comcast telling people uh, if you use Tor we're gonna suspend your service um ISPs can tell if you're using TOR, if that's all you're using. And and the website, as well as other projects that utilize TOR, will tell you up front that that alone, if you're wanting to get around censorship, an ISP can tell if you're using it. And they they won't be able to tell which sites you're visiting with Tor but they won't they'll be able to know if you're using the service unless as we'll discuss later you're using a VPN to access you're accessing a VPN and then using Tor so Um, One of the the ways to – there's a couple of ways. We already discussed one of them is using a browser bundle. There's also a couple of – there's a live system called Tails that you can put on a thumb drive. Though you might be cautious about that too considering the whole USB vulnerability – that has been discovered as of late. Do you know anything about that?
1: I have not heard anything about it, honestly. Uh, but I can see why that technology would be very vulnerable because uh, the USB platform or Universal Serial Bus—it's just—it's made to be universal, so that way it can yeah, you can connect to like I could use my desktop here, or if my tablet had an actual USB port, I could use it. Where I can go to another computer, completely different computer, use it. It's on TVs. It's on all kinds of devices. So it's widespread and not very secure because of that reason. It's just meant to be widespread and easily easy to use.
0: Because one one of the big issues is um, firmware can be overridden on the device to act in a way that that the device may not have been initially designed for. So that could entail all kinds of issues. So that could be another issue to run into. But you can also put this thing on a, on a live optical media DVD CD. And how it works is you pop it in. And by the way, if you run this in a virtual machine, the live system will be able to tell you uh you're using a virtual machine. This is not very secure. And they have all kinds of you know warnings and everything else about that. And what'll happen is it'll pop up this live desktop. It'll automatically use Videlia to connect to Tor. Um there's even a theming option to where it'll look as close to Windows as possible, in case somebody's looking over your shoulder. All kinds of pretty cool stuff, and there are, there are live systems out there that that also use Tor, and you can get around censorship, around you know that sort of thing. Um, and I know, I know I listed. Other tools later on in our little outline, but I think I'll go ahead and talk about it now because. And of course, my system's being slow, but there's also another utility called the Pirate Browser, which is mainly, mainly available for Windows users. It's brought to you by the the jolly folks at the Pirate Bay. (laughs) And and it's basically a portable Firefox with Foxy Proxy add-on and Vidalia bundled all together. And... Oh, come on. There we go, and they they even tell you it doesn't protect your privacy. It and to use a a VPN like Privacy.io, that's and as we'll discover later on, one of the inhibiting factors of those is you know it could be cost. So. That's that's another thing that you can avoid. That's another way to get around censorship. And graycoder.com also lists a bunch of anonymous Linux distributions as well. So uh, so that's so that's another another cool thing. And, and you not only can you access an entire network on TOR, you can actually set up a hidden service on TOR. This is how the Silk Road and other places popped up. It's, they were a hidden TOR service. H- hence the apprehension by maybe people from Comcast and other service providers, because it's been assumed that if you're using TOR, you must be doing something wrong. Or illegal, and everything else. But um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on Tor?
1: Um, I personally, um, I, I like the uh, the option to have another browser. Like, I mean, I guess you can use this plugin with like the pirate browser, which is the same thing as the Tor browser, except it looks just like Firefox. So it's literally just the uh, Videlia um, plugin built into Firefox. And since they're both open source projects, it makes sense that (laughs) that it just works together so easily. But um, I honestly like the idea of having that as a service available to people who are going to be having more trouble using something like a VPN or using something that's less secure like a proxy or any other uh, means of uh, jumping around hoops and everything else to uh, not let people know what you're looking at, what you're trying to do. Especially yeah. when you're like in a situation where you need to connect to a server and you need to do some work. Like If you work for a big-name company and you're doing something inside, like maybe editing an Excel file, <coughs> and you need to be able to get access to that network because it's stored on that network, and you can't get to it any other way other than using a VPN or something like that. Most corporations allow you to use a VPN, but and they'll give you the information that you need for that so you don't have to set anything up. You literally just oh. type it in and go. But some so, sometimes you won't have that uh, convenience. So this tour project allows you to connect to... Other places by hopping through different places on their network, and basically you you won 't won't be able to have your IP address tracked that way because it 's been hopping through multiple spots and your information is encrypted so it's it's extremely and free
0: now now there are there are certain there are certain it 's not a guaranteed uh, protection of privacy because some um, if a vulnerability is discovered in the browser itself or in the case of Silk Road where, a vul- where the capture they used was uh, problematic, they can discover where a particular hidden service is. And and I know this sounds unrelated, but bringing up Daisy Lits, I'm doing this for a good reason, it... She she used the Silk Road to obtain you know soft drugs and things like that and started selling them. Tor does not protect you from the real world, either. <laughs> so if you get caught, but because all it took was an informant to basically say hey to help bust somebody. Once certain illicit things enter the real world, that's when you become more and more vulnerable. So accessing certain information online, getting around censorship, Tor is an absolute excellent, excellent tool for doing that. If, you're, if you have a country that frowns upon this or an ISP that especially frowns upon this, <laughs> then, then bundling it up with a VPN would probably be your best bet. And, of course, sometimes there's a free VPN service or even a free proxy service. HideMyAss.com has a free kind of online proxy service, though they tell you the limits of that. It's in the web browser only, and it's not... And there is some encryption, but it's not as strong as it could be with their VPN service. Other limitations of free products include limits of speed, platform support. So if you're using a Linux-based operating system, you may not have uh, configuration options that are available. Um, Pro XPN, for example, has free accounts, but if you want OpenVPN support, you have to have a premium account in order to be able to do that. So and so that so that's um, the, the, that's the, the big thing is if if you don't at least don't want your ISP to get mad at you, then you might be a little concerned about uh, privacy, to a point. But the idea is this stuff is not going to make you invincible. Don't be stupid. So what's the difference between a proxy and a VPN? I I know we kind of sort of discussed it earlier, but... I mentioned it a little bit, but uh,
1: basically a, a proxy server doesn't require that you have any traffic encrypted. A VPN, if you use a VPN service over a proxy, it's going to be encrypted always, no matter what. That's that's the primary difference. And then, g- generally speaking, proxies you you can use through um, HTTP through your web browser. And 90% of the proxy websites that will let you, like, for example, the one that you mentioned earlier, Hide My Ass, you can use that one. <laughs> uh, I've, I've used them in the past uh, for uh, our school block Facebook, so if I wanted to go browse on Facebook, I'd have to use that website to get to it. Um, And then they slowly started blocking the ones they were using. But um, (laughs) like literally, if you're just trying to get on Facebook or something, proxies are gonna be good enough for you. Like if you just want to block some of the uh, make it harder for the person trying to find out what you're doing. Like if they're literally just trying to find out something that you put on Facebook, you're probably not that worried about it in the first place because it's just Facebook. Right. You should watch what you say on Facebook in general, but I mean, if you're doing something important for like your job or whatever, then you should use a VPN.
0: And, and PC World does have a have an excellent um, how-to on setting one up, and and it does require time and know-how, but if you do that and you combine Tor with that. Um, yes, your browsing experience will slow down with Tor because you're bouncing around random relays. You combine it with a VPN, um, the ISP or service provider you're using is not going to be able to tell what you're doing if you're using a VPN and then using Tor the same through the VPN. All they're going to be able to tell is that you're connecting to some network somewhere, and that's it and they can't really determine what you're doing because of the encryption involved.
1: One other difference that I forgot to mention earlier that I was reading in this article, uh, I'm sure Thomas can share the link on this when we're done, but uh, one other big difference between a proxy and a VPN is uh, proxy servers are transparent, according to this article, and it's true, basically because of this specific reason. Um, uh, when, you, when the packets are sent across the network and when you are using a proxy service over a VPN service, what happens is that they'll grab your IP address. There's an IP address of the remote client that you're trying to access. Like if it's a Facebook or another website or whatever, there's that IP address and then the one that you're using to actually access to that which is the intermediary, device, the server or the web proxy. And what it, it, each of those are stored into a variable. In programming languages, there are variables that store information. It can be a number, a uh, 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 group, uh, group of characters or a sentence, stuff like that. And in this case, it's your IP addresses that are being stored in these specific variables. And those are able to be viewed by your ISP and other things so they, they can tell... That you're using a proxy server over something else, and it'll give them the IP addresses. So it's not it's not hiding you completely. It's it's mimicking the fact that you're on a different on a different uh, uh, computer or something. Whatever. Oh
0: yeah. So so a pro, so a proxy is great if all you want to do is say view stuff on the. View a BBC show that's restricted to, say, people who are across the pond. Uh, but it's not so great if you're doing other things that, you know, you're wherever you're at, service provider, whether it is a private ISP or your place of work, may find objectionable. Because because like some people may want to view new doctor who episodes that aren't available here in the United States yet. And they may use a proxy to be able to go onto the BBC's website and go bam. <laughs> but place of work can tell or law enforcement can trace more specifically where you're at. Uh tour takes more work but can be traceable, which is why the stuff doesn't make you invincible and you need to be careful when doing this. But um but there's also th- but there's also other places that you can go. Private tunnel has pricing plans, and so does CyberGhost VPN. And often enough, all you have to do is go through a, you know, go through your favorite search engine and look up VPNs and compare prices and what have you. Um, Just remember, if you're doing a free service, um, you're going to be running into certain things like... Um, you're going to be throttled, maybe at 300 kilobits per second, depending on who you're with. BitTorrent traffic may not be allowed at all, unless you upgrade to a more, uh, more, you know, a premium, some sort of premium paid package. And some of them may have to, by law, disclose information to law enforcement so you may want to choose one that has places in the Netherlands that you can plug into, so to speak, if you're concerned with the DMCA, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Not that I'm encouraging anybody to break copyrights or anything like that, but there are those who have been overzealous and... In terms of reporting so-called infringement when it was actually fair use, so there's that to take into consideration. Do any of these do any of these things intrigue you at all that Some you might want to try?
1: Um, I looked at the uh, private tunnel honestly, and the pricing is actually not that bad for a service that they're offering. So it would not be a bad choice for you, especially because they have also a free option available for you if you're just going to be transferring small amounts of data and your, your workplace doesn't offer this for you. It's it's very interesting. It might be something that I actually will have to use in the future too. <laughs> but that's mostly because of the career path I've chosen.
0: Right. and and there And there's plenty of there's plenty of tools and we'd like to know which tools you use to get around censorship um, are you in China and need to access Facebook are you are you in a school that is over in terms of restricting your viewing habits even though you're paying these people salaries in the end what do you use uh, just feel free to comment in the video below. Uh, feel free to, you know, message us on Google Plus, on Facebook, um, and everywhere else in between. Just let us know, because we're actually we actually want to know what you personally use. All kinds of people and groups recommend all sorts of things out there, but they have their strengths, weaknesses, limitations, such as being based in the U.S., therefore. <laughs> they may have to requ- um, they may have to comply with certain requests um, especially since you know there was that story that came out where Yahoo was threatened with six figure fines daily if they didn't comply with the NSA um, there's that to consider which tools do you use to protect your privacy um? I, I actually forgot to mention one of the items in question. This one you definitely would find interesting. It's something called Hunix, where it creates a virtual network adapter through a, through virtual machine technology, and then the separate component is a virtual machine desktop that connects through the virtual virtual routing appliance that connects to Tor by default. That's
1: very interesting.
0: Yeah, that's that's another way okay. of doing that. Although the download would be immensely huge, <laughs> I'd imagine. But that that's another way of doing that that whole tidbit too. So what what do you what do you think about or maybe you think about maybe setting up a hidden service? I'm hey. not sure I have the
1: for a hidden service at the moment. Uh, maybe sometime in the near future, if I decide to uh, create a web server to run my own website, I might do that. But for now, I'm still using free hosting options. And right. I'm limited at the moment. But I may do that in the future. And I, might, I might have to depending on what uh, where I work and what I'm doing. So it's gonna be one of the options I'll have to dip in the way. So
0: Oh absolutely. Maybe try to set up a set up a secret forum just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just make sure the CAPTCHA doesn't uh, leak any information. <laughs> True. Because True. that that's how that's how the that's how the um, Individual behind the Silk Road eventually was found. Is and and now you know all legal controversy aside. That's you know how he was found was through some vulnerability in the capture that was used. And of course now about you know more 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 you know gray area markets have popped up in its place. So there you go. think that just about wraps it up. It's more of a short episode today, but...
1: It is, a little bit. Um, But, we could probably talk about some ideas of what we have for uh, future episodes. Like, uh, for example, uh, what I was discussing with you earlier, in a previous episode, we uh, talked about the uh, Xbox One and the PS4, and the differences in hardware and software among the two. And we threw in the Wii U for the mix just for the sake of argument and having Nintendo in the mix, even though can't really compare it to the other two systems because the hardware is drastically different. But either way, I mentioned that I wanted to get a PS4 and then, uh, maybe someday I'd like to do a review of it. Well, I have a PS4 on layaway currently and I'm going to pay it off within a few months. So I'll have that and, uh, maybe a few games to review as well. And maybe we can have a new segment on the show. Uh, I'd like I'd like to know what your guys' ideas are on that uh, what would you if you'd like to see that if you'd like to see me review some games maybe a let's play series like I'm sure you've seen that on YouTube of all kinds of different games and I already have in mind a few games that I'll I'll buy so uh, let me know let, let us know what you think if that's something you'd be interested in or if you see oh. other other game systems or if you'd like to hear gaming news in general, like for example, I can tell you something that happened just a couple of days ago. Um, if you don't know, if you if you guys play Minecraft or if you know what Minecraft is, it's a really addictive game. It's horrible. It's horribly addictive. But uh, it, you can create stuff, build stuff, fight, whatever, all kinds of other stuff. A lot of people that are interested in computer science, like a lot of the people in my computer science department at, at school, almost everybody plays it. So it's. It's kind of uh, just a thing there. But anyway, my uh, Microsoft recently just bought Mojang for a two point, uh, $2.5 billion deal. So that might be something we could talk about in the future. Uh, give us feedback. And let us know what you think, what your uh, opinion is on that, and then we might discuss it.
0: I would think it's like um – telling crack addicts, okay, we're not going to give you crack anymore. Here's here, here's Tylenol instead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll give you some caffeine or some... We'll slowly let you down. We're going to start you off with some uh, Vicodin. Vicodin, it's uh, uh, not freely readable, but it's a prescription drug. You probably have enough pain from all the withdrawal of not having your crack. So here, we'll give you this one then we're going to slowly dip you down to caffeine, and then we're going to break you away from the caffeine and give you something a little more healthy. I'm <laughs> oh. worried that's probably what will happen, honestly. But only the future can tell. Only time will tell.
0: Well, and Minecraft was, has been hugely, hugely successful, and now now people may be worried about it. And, and there were some people who were also worried about you know, Skype when it was purchased by Microsoft and surprisingly, Microsoft kept Skype as a separate business entity. Um, it was probably and- a smart
1: move on their part. And I'm, I'm hoping, honestly, that they do the same with Minecraft. For, and for those of you that don't know, Minecraft is actually written in Java, so by default, it is cross-platform. It'll run on any system that can run Java. So like my tablet here, it's Windows 8, It's a Windows 8.1 Dell Venue 8 mm-hmm. Pro. It can run Minecraft, no problem. I can run it on Linux, on my Linux laptop that I have in my backpack. I can run it on the Windows side of this desktop I'm using and also on the uh, Linux side that I have. I've, you can run it on a lot of devices. And it's also available on the Xbox 360, the PS3, and soon to be available on the PS4. I don't know about the Xbox One. I think it's already released, either that or it's being developed. But uh, I'm to know what's going to happen in the future for what game systems it'll be available on. But since it's already so big and so wide, I'm thinking that if Microsoft does anything with it, but they're only going to enhance it. At least I hope. <laughs> That's my hope anyway.
0: Um, one can help. It's kind of hard to say no to that much money. Um, I'll <laughs> say that. And and there's been this whole business of mergers and acquisitions as of late. Attachmate. Um, trying to remember which company Attachmate is merging with. Attachmate is the one that. Um. Is the one that um, bought. Uh, no, Sousa from Novell.
1: Microfocus.
0: Yep. Um, was the one, one that
1: bought a tax rate?
0: Yeah, there, there's going to be a $1.2 billion merger. Um, according to the Muck, there's been a response, an official response that it'll still be, you know, business as usual, at least with OpenSousa and Sousa itself, so that it may... The merger may be a good thing. There's there's been some mergers as of late, and buyouts and what have you. So so, so hopefully um, hopefully all these things turn out for the best. It can most certainly disrupt a lot of things. I can guarantee you that for a while. But um, I I think that wraps just about wraps it up for today. I think we need to make this a three-part series, though. Because, <laughs> like, what, 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 um, what topic related to information access should we talk discuss next?
1: Hmm. I'm, I'm not honestly. I don't know.
0: Or maybe we can focus on some privacy-related stuff. We could. Um, And maybe organizations like the Electronic Frontier Foundation, um, 2600 Magazine, some of the tools that we didn't necessarily mention, such as the Guardian Project, telegram.org, among other things. Um, It just feels like there's something missing from the discussion. I can't quite put my finger on it because yeah, yeah you can
1: we could talk about the uh, interaction of all these technologies that we've been discussing in the past couple episodes and the impact that they've had on the uh, ISPs and how the ISPs have been responding to this, these technologies uh, BitTorrent and other other uh, peer-to-peer services and everything else that we've talked about in previous episodes and the last couple episodes in particular uh, like I, I've had a bad experience with my, uh, my ISP because of using BitTorrent uh, services. So uh, we could probably expand on that.
0: And, and Telegram, Telegram is this, um, this uh, I guess, messaging app that's actually available cross-platform. They talk about it being private, cloud-based... Fast, distributed, open, free, and all that good stuff. Might be something to take a look at, too. And they, I think they have an entire protocol set up, too. Which is actually fantastic. Their mobile, mobile protocol... So it's definitely, definitely a good thing to be done because like, I'll just grab this camera and kind of, oh, I can't move it really well, but I'll, I'll go ahead and just kind of do this telegram. Well, it's going to show it backwards, I guess.
1: Is that your second system, Thomas?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That, that's the monitor. The, can
1: I can share my screen.
0: Oh, yeah. Because I, I try sh- sharing the screen on this one, except what would happen is that this system only has, like, two gigabytes of RAM, and when really I need to well, be I putting... don't have that problem. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, Telegram. Okay, oh. but yeah, there, there we go. Telegram, right there.
1: So basically, this is what it looks like. It's they've got okay, so they've got the app for almost all of your devices that you could think of. Uh, there's a mobile app for like if you've got a Chromebook, and then you've, they've also got uh, for Windows, Mac, and Linux, and then Mac OS, uh, Mac OS X. I guess they were considering uh, Mac is the old school Mac. Um, and, uh, uh, of course, it would be cloud-based based on their web version, but it's private, it's fast, distributed, open, open source, free. So if you wanted to look at their API, they've got their API up here. And I won't get into the details. Uh, I would be interested to see what it's written in, though. I'm assuming it's probably some sort of... Uh, javascript related i don't think it says it's pretty cool I th- though i th- i do think it's probably a combination of jquery and other things jquery is very 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 powerful so it's it's uh it's pretty good anyway it's it's uh definitely interesting.
0: So, so talking about some, some of the, the impact, um, some stuff you can use to interact with people to kind of get around to, in a sense, get around other people's attempt to put limitations on you and all of that. And I think next episode we've, got pretty much worked out and it sounds like it's going to get very very interesting from there so I think that just about maybe wraps it up so 57 in the bag so three more and we'll get to episode 60
1: another mile marker
0: well until next time entertain yourself educate yourself empower yourself I'm Thomas
1: and I'm Stephen Tompkins
0: so we'll see you next week
1: See you guys later.